Matthew 15, 1 to 9, which can be found on page 981. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. I hope you've all had uh, pleasant days. Uh, I have had the honor and the privilege this afternoon of a visitation we had our mother-in-law come, and not only is my mother-in-law with us all afternoon, I brought her to work with me. But all of the married men in the room wish their mother-in-law would come and watch them work. I have that. And she said if I mentioned her, she would walk out, so... No? Cool. We'll keep going. The cynical among you will think that I mentioned her so she would walk out, but that would, that would not be true. Let's, um, let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are... Uh, good and kind and generous. We ask that you would uh, come and make yourself known to us. Holy Spirit, we want to be uh, transformed. We want to look more like you. We want to feel your glory more and more uh, accurately and more and more deeply to the people around us. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you've uh, been doing already tonight and we ask that you would uh, increase and you would do more. your name we pray. Amen. As, uh, as a a young um, boy aged about um, 9, 10, 11, I loved music. I absolutely loved music. And um, some people were into the kind of like poppy, manufactured music when they were that age. I liked my music raw and unadulterated and true. Uh, my, um, my two uh, favorite um, bands or musicians were Avril Lavigne and Westlife. They were, they were the people, some of you look confused, They're, they are um, hardcore, rocking individuals. And I absolutely loved Avril Lavigne and Westlife. And I, um, I remember me and, my, um, me and my twin brother, we shared a room and we slept in bunk beds, which is what you do when you're a twin, isn't it? You have to sleep in bunk beds. And on the first of every month, we would switch beds because when you're twins, everything has to be completely fair and we both wanted to sleep in the top bunk. So we would switch beds uh, once a month. Uh, but I remember my, um, I think it was my brother, um, got uh, a tiny FM portable radio one year for Christmas. And we thought this was the best gift. We only got one. Mum and Dad loved him more, so they gave it to him. Uh, <laughs> and what would happen is, um, one that was on the top bunk uh, would turn the tiny FM radio on, and they would um, put uh, the earbud in their right ear. And we would dangle the other headphone off the edge of the bunk bed. And the person that left it would, would kind of have to like crane up because the cord wasn't quite long enough. Uh, and together we would listen to Dixie on Hallam FM. If you didn't grow up in Sheffield, that's a real radio station. Hallam FM is local radio at its finest. Uh, and every night we would uh, be in bed uh, listening to this crackly, faint radio signal of Hallam FM and we would be waiting for Avril Lavigne or Westlife to come on the radio. And when it came on, it went down in our bedroom. It was the most... That was weird. It was the most... keep moving, everyone. Keep moving. It was the most incredible music experience of our lives. 
And then we realized that we didn't have to spend all of our evenings waiting for Dixie to play Avril Lavigne or Westlife because you could own them on a CD. That was incredible news to us, age 9, 10, 11 years old, that we could own CDs. And we wouldn't have to wait for Dixie to play Avril Lavigne or Westlife, but we could have it anytime we wanted. But the problem is, is when you're that kind of age, you get like 40, 50p a week pocket money, don't you? And CDs are really, really expensive. So I started to talk with my friends about how, man, we really wanted to listen to the real music, to Avril Lavigne. And one of my friends says, well, you're in luck because I've got a contact. I think what he meant was he had a mother. But he said, I I have a contact. And my contact works for the civil service in the fraud squad. That's a serious contact when you're 10 years old, isn't it? And his, his contact spent time making sure that people didn't sell knockoff bootleg CDs, which meant that they knew exactly where to get the best bootleg CDs. <laughs> I remember my, my friend, uh, my friend uh, getting the, the catalogue off his contact, uh, and we could sit there and we could look at all of the bootleg copies of CDs. There were Avril Lavigne albums I didn't even know existed. There were long-forgotten Westlife Christmas albums waiting for me to buy with my pocket money. Uh, uh, after a while, me and my brother picked out the Avril Lavigne and the Westlife CDs that we desperately wanted to listen to. Uh, we gave our pocket money to our mate who gave it to his contact. Uh, a few days later in the playground, we got our bootleg CDs. Uh, some of you grew up listening to knockoff copies of Avril Lavigne and Westlife, uh, and they didn't look anything like the real things. These were, these were pretty good fakes. Someone hadn't just given us a, a cheap plastic um, CD box. They'd photocopied the cover of that album and slotted it inside, cutting it carefully so there was a nice white border. They'd written in their best handwriting a marker pen on the CD, Avril Lavigne, Let It Go. What, what an album that was. If you're, if you're either too young or too old to have enjoyed that album, you need to, you need to get yourself on Spotify. That's um, like an internet streaming the internet's it's complicated. <laughs> it's like quill and paper, but everywhere. It's, it's, <laughs> so my mother-in-law will explain it to you later. It's fine. Uh, let's explain it to Penny. Where was I? But, sacked. Great. If anyone has any jobs going in a church you run, no. But we, we would listen uh, to these knockoff bootleg copies of Avril Lavigne and Westlife, and we would think that we had the real deal. But then we would go around to a, a mate's house, and they would be uh, getting slightly more pocket money than we would, and they wouldn't be settling for knockoff copies of Avril Lavigne. They would have the real deal. They would have the full 16-page booklet that had all of the words in the song and all of the the reasoning behind why Avril Lavigne wrote those meaningful... Why did the skater boy not see who she could be first time round? You know, what a fantastic music video that was. was, This is taking longer than I thought it would. (laughs) We're going to cut communion, guys. We're not. I've got more Avril Lavigne stories. But we would go around to a, a friend's house and we would see that they had the real copy of Avril Lavigne and the real Westlife Christmas album. Uh, and suddenly our cheap knockoff version would be nothing in comparison. Uh, we would go back home and we'd listen to uh, the knockoff uh, version that we had and the sound wouldn't be anywhere near as good as it was on our friend's CD. The, the photocopied paper that we were so pleased with suddenly felt 
thin and fragile and not glossy like the original. Uh, We'd spent time settling for a a cheap imitation, a cheap knockoff, what we could easily get our hands around, uh, rather than spending time saving and investing so that we could have the full experience that Avril Lavigne was desperate for us to have. Often we spend our lives settling for cheap imitations, for cheap knockoffs, when God wants to give us something much deeper and something much more real. Uh, Tonight we're talking about what it is to live an authentic life. Uh, what it is to live a, a life that's authentic and as God intended it to be. But we live in a, a culture in a time where people don't know what authenticity is. Uh, there are lots of uh, different ideas floating around about what authenticity is, but the, the one that I come across most often is um, people say that uh, authenticity is just about being true to yourself. They say, you've just got to be true to yourself. What they seem to mean by that is just do whatever it is that your gut tells you. Uh, Do whatever it is that feels right, that makes sense to you. Uh, Whatever it is that um, when you kind of peer inward and you go all introspective, whatever it is that, that makes sense to you. But just doing what feels right to us is an excuse often for selfishness, for self-centeredness. It means that whenever we peer inwards and we go into our own island where we're the king and we get to decide what's right and wrong, often we assume that we know what's best. I think God is calling us to a deeper understanding of what authenticity is. Authenticity isn't about being true to ourselves. It's not about us doing whatever it is that feels right. Whatever it is that uh, makes the most sense to us. I I don't know about you, but often left to my own devices, nine times out of ten, I'll do the thing that's the most comfortable. Uh, I'll do the thing that's the easiest for me to get away with, that uh, requires the least uh, effort, the least work on my part. Because I want my life to be as easy and as straightforward as possible. We live in a a culture that wants to continually look uh, inwards, that wants to continually decide what's right and what's wrong, that wants to just do the thing that feels right by us. And we don't let other people speak into our situation or have an opinion uh, or encourage us in anything, but we just look inwards. I want to suggest a different definition uh, of authenticity tonight. Uh, I think uh, that authenticity uh, is when the way that you live expresses why you've been made. Uh, Authenticity is when the way that you live expresses why you've been made. You see, we were made for connection and relationship with God. Uh, Before anything else, we were made for connection and relationship with God. Uh, We were made to to know how loved we've been uh, and to return that love to God. We were made for a a depth of connection, a depth of relationship with God. Uh, And living authentically uh, is when our life expresses that. Uh, Living authentically is when your life expresses why you've been made. Uh, You've been made to, to be loved by God and to love God. And as you uh, experience and encounter that love, to let let that love change the way that you live. Uh, To let it release you to be more loving, to be kinder, to be more patient, to be gentle. Uh, Authenticity isn't about uh, a search inwards, uh, trying to work out what it is that feels true and right by us. But authenticity comes when we understand the relationship that we have with God. That understands uh, how loved and cared for we've been. And as that happens, uh, we start to look outwards and we start to express that relationship. Uh, We start to live our lives as a result uh, and as the fruit of that. And as that happens, we start to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Uh, When we uh, live our lives out of our relationship with God, uh, understanding how loved we've been, uh, then the fruits of the Spirit start to flow out of us. We become increasingly kind, increasingly patient, increasingly faithful. As we do that, I I believe that God gives good gifts to his children. Uh, He gives us the ability to pray for people and see them healed, the prophetic, the gift of tongues. Uh, The Father gives good gifts to his children. As we invest in our relationship with God, he gives good gifts to us. He increases the fruit of his Spirit within us. Uh, James 1.27 says, uh, True religion in sight of God the Father is caring for widows and orphans in their distress. Uh, Widows and orphans were the most vulnerable people in society. Uh, Our relationship with God authentically expresses itself in caring for the most vulnerable people in our society. It means that we have compassionate hearts. Is your heart increasingly compassionate? Uh, Are you uh, growing in the gifts of the Spirit? Are you growing in the fruits of the Spirit? Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we, who, uh, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image uh, with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Uh, so as we spend time with the Father, as we spend time uh, with God, uh, we start to look more and more like the Son. Uh, when we spend time with the Father, we start to look more and more like the Son. Uh, We start to understand more and more why we've been made, uh, and our lives begin to express that. It's not about being true to ourselves and us deciding what we think is right and wrong and uh, going inward and looking insular, Uh, but it's about living our lives as an expression of the love that we've received. And when we spend time with the Father, we start to look more and more like the Son. Often we, uh, I think we, we read the New Testament, we read the Gospels, and we see Jesus do something, and we say, that's very well, that was Jesus. Uh, and we make uh, Jesus the exception, and we create a separate category for our world, which is things that Jesus can do, uh, and the rest of us. Uh, but the same spirit that lived in Jesus lives inside each of us, so rather than Jesus being an exception, Jesus is the example for each of our lives. Uh, we get to look at what Jesus did. We get to uh, spend time with the Father. And as we do, that changes and transforms the way that we live. Uh, living authentically is about ex- living your life in a way that expresses why you've been made. And our passage touches on some of that tonight. Uh, Jesus uh, is in uh, Galilee. And he's in Galilee and he's spending time with his disciples uh, and a a group called the Pharisees, uh, who always come up uh, in the Gospels, uh, have traveled uh, to uh, persecute and to accuse Jesus. Uh, They've traveled from Jerusalem uh, all the way to Generasat. I'm not sure that's how you pronounce it, but we'll run with it. And uh, I had a look online and I I couldn't find out exactly um, how far it was uh, from Jerusalem to Generasat. But I, um, I put it into Google Maps, and Google Maps says that it would take you 34 hours to walk from Jerusalem to Generasat, which is about the same length of time it would take you to walk from here to Newcastle. That's an incredibly long way. Uh, these people were serious about uh, persecuting, about accusing Jesus and undermining him. Uh, they have a, a real vendetta against him. They think that uh, he's dangerous and he needs to be stopped, and no matter what the cost. Uh, they are committed and devoted to undermining Jesus. Uh, when they uh, reach Jesus, they come to him with an accusation. Uh, and they say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Uh, they don't wash their hands before they eat. 
Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders that don't wash their hands before they eat? Uh, they think that Jesus is breaking their tradition. Uh, and they uh, travel uh, 34 hours just to um, accuse him of it, just to uh, get in his face and try and undermine him. But it's worth um, spotting what it is they're saying. Uh, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They're not accusing them of breaking the law of the temple. They're not accusing them of breaking any uh, ceremonial or ritual or purity law at all. What they're saying is you're, you're breaking the tradition of the elders. The tradition of the elders was something that was created by the Pharisee community. Uh, a whole way of um, existing and being uh, that kind of added law onto the law. Uh, these are additional laws created by the Pharisees. Uh, and now they're trying to impose them on other people. Uh, they're trying to force them to live in a way uh, that uh, wasn't God's intent. I don't think Jesus necessarily thinks that all of these traditions are bad, uh, but just that the Pharisees have uh, yet again managed to completely miss the point. You see, because the Pharisees create uh, additional laws, additional um, regulations for people to follow that aren't about uh, nurturing our relationship with God, that aren't about um, growing in intimacy and awareness of who God is. Uh, and so Jesus uh, fires back at them. Uh, he won't accept what they're saying. Uh, and he says this. He says, uh, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. The Pharisees are coming and they're accusing the disciples of not following the tradition of the elders, this set of rules that the Pharisees have created. And Jesus says, before we worry about the tradition of the elders, let's pay attention to the fact you don't even follow the Ten Commandments. These are the most basic, fundamental rules and laws in the Bible, the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses. Jesus says, you're not even attending to them. He says, they've not even made it past the second commandment, honor your father and mother. They're not doing it. What they've done is they've created a loophole and a way around it. Jewish society, one of the things Jewish society hinged on was that a parent would have, a mother and a father would have children, and they would raise those children, they would invest in them, they would nurture them, they would feed them and they would clothe them. Uh, when those parents um, were too old and couldn't take care of themselves anymore, uh, their children would take care of them. Uh, their children would honor the investment their father and mother had made in them by caring for them when they were too old to care for themselves. Uh, they would take care of their financial well-being. They would uh, make sure that they were well looked after, and that's how they would honor them. Uh, but uh, the Pharisees had cold, dead hearts, and they didn't want to do that. So what the Pharisees did is they created an exception they said that if you don't want to take care of your father or your mother in that fashion, that's totally fine. What you do is you work out how much money you would have spent on them and instead you give it to the temple. You work out how much money you would have spent on them and you give it to the temple and that relieves you of the obligation of caring for your father or mother. They were relieving themselves of the obligation of honoring their father or their mother by creating a loophole, a way around, a workaround. They were expressing their cold, dead hearts through creating another loophole, another exception, another way around, doing what it is that God is calling them to do. 
Jesus says, don't worry about the tradition of the elders, this uh, law that you've created. If, if you're not even going to honor your father or your mother, uh, these are the most basic, the most pivotal rules. Uh, Jesus knows that the law is good. The law is about sustaining us in relationship with God. Uh, and yet they're not even following the Ten Commandments. If we want an expression of um, life and faith that's inauthentic, we just need to look at the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees aren't living in a way that expresses how they've been made. And they're not living in a way that expresses the love that they've received and the love they're called and compelled to give. Uh, this, uh, this relationship that they uh, have with God, they've reduced it to dead rules and to empty tradition uh, until it's void and lifeless. Uh, and it's not uh, anymore about um, expressing their relationship with God, but it's just about uh, doing what feels easy for them. Uh, these Pharisees would pass the test of this culture in this time. They are just being true to themselves. The problem is, is when they're true to themselves, what, uh, what comes out is um, dead and cold and hard. Being true to yourself is fine if you're a really, really good person, but a lot of the time people aren't good and we make bad decisions. Uh, these Pharisees pass uh, the test of, the, uh, of this culture, this society, but uh, they're not in an acceptable relationship with God. They're just creating uh, dead rules and dead traditions. They're creating... Uh, rules and empty religion for people to follow. Uh, we're called to have a, a faith and a life that's much uh, deeper and much more authentic than that. Uh, not to take the law of God and turn it into something that's uh, cold and dead, but to let the way that we live be an expression of our relationship with God. Uh, is that true for you tonight? Is your life expressing the love that you've received from God? Uh, are you spending more and more time with the Father and so reflecting the glory of the Son? Are you uh, loving the people around you? Are you growing in the gifts of the Spirit? Are you growing in the fruits of the Spirit? I had, um, I had a tutor, uh, and every time I, I met with him, he would say, are you, are you growing in faith and hope and love? Are you growing in that tonight? Is that um, evident in your life? Is it uh, bearing greater and deeper fruit in each of you? Are you settling for a knockoff? Are you settling for an imitation of the life that uh, God is calling each of us to have? Uh, in uh, working out... Uh, what it is to live an authentic life and whether that's what we're doing. Um, I've come up with um, three questions it might be helpful for us to ask ourselves, um, uh, not just uh, tonight, but maybe as the, the days and the weeks go by, uh, to work out if we are living uh, authentically. So we don't want this to be something that just uh, changes tonight, but something that transforms all of our life. We want to live authentically wherever it is that we go. So the, the first one is, uh, are we aware of how God feels about us? Uh, are we aware of how God feels about us? Uh, we can't live authentically. Uh, we can't live an authentic expression of who we've been made to be if we don't let God tell us who we are. Uh, if we don't let God um, tell us how loved, how valued, how cared for each of us has been. Often we um, assume that God is distant, that he's absent, that he must be in a, a bad mood or critical of us. Uh, but God wants to lavish us with his love. That's what the Bible says. He lavishes you with his love. Uh, so do you know how God feels about you? Before we can live authentically, we have to start there. Uh, and then, are we worshipping God passionately? Uh, when we understand how loved we've been, uh, it's impossible for us to contain our worship. Um, worship um, isn't then um, stilted and stale and caught up in dead uh, tradition like the Pharisees worship, but it's uh, living and it's active and it's dynamic. 
Uh, It takes uh, a deep root within each one of us, and that might express itself in different ways. Your um, passionate worship might come out in liturgy. Uh, It might come out in um, singing songs here. It might express itself in a whole host of different ways, but uh, when you worship, is it connecting with the core of who you are? Is it connecting with the roots of you? Uh, Are you worshiping passionately? Uh, And the third question is, are we treating people lovingly? Uh, This question is uh, about fruits. Are you treating people lovingly? Are you uh, growing in the fruits of the spirits? Uh, Are you being increasingly kind, increasingly patient, increasingly gentle? Uh, Are you becoming more and more like the sun? Are you reflecting God's glory more and more to the people around you? Uh, If we're living an authentic life, then there will be and there should be fruit from it. Uh, Our workplaces, our homes, our families should be different because we live an authentic expression of our relationship with God. Uh, If we're not treating people more lovingly, then we need to go back to the start and work out, do we understand how the Father feels about us? Uh, Are we living that authentic relationship? Uh, I think that growing in authenticity uh, takes time. Often we want um, things to be instant and we want it to be quick uh, and we want God to come and do something Um, immediate in us. Uh, But living like this, I think, takes a a lifetime. Uh, It takes time uh, invested, time connecting with God. Uh, I have been um, married for 11 months and one day. I thought as a mother-in-law was here, I should mention it. I I know it's that because yesterday was fireworks night. Cunning. Um, But we... um, uh, me, and, um, Me and Alice, for my birthday, went and we ate a really, really good steak. It was... It was the best steak I've ever had. And it was um, delicious and tender and juicy, and it came with triple-cooked chips, and it was everything that a perfect steak should be. It was delicious. But that, that's not... Um, going out uh, once a year... We could do it every year. Once a year and eat... It's just a hint, isn't it? Hopefully it's a spot. Uh, once a year... Um, It doesn't change our relationship. Often we want things to change in a moment. We want them to change in an instant. Uh, The thing that um, changes our relationship is that every morning we get up, we get showered, we get dressed, Alice unloads the dishwasher, I make the coffee, and we sit down and we eat the same breakfast we eat every single day. And we'll have the same conversation that we have every single day. I'll ask Alice how she slept. Did she have any interesting dreams? Uh, We'll talk about um, who snored, who sang in their sleep, (laughs) who laughed in their sleep, who walked around the flat in their sleep, who rearranged the furniture in their sleep. Sometimes I snore. I'll take that one. And we'll talk about what we're, we're doing with our day. If someone listened to our conversation and wrote it down and they tried to sell it to a newspaper, nobody would buy it. No one would be interested. Uh, But uh, in spending time developing that connection, developing that understanding of uh, who each other are, it strengthens our relationship, and that relationship changes us. So we can um, go out and have a a delicious dinner once a year, and that's great, but the, the thing that changes us, the way that we get changed, is deep, obedient relationship. If we want to live lives that are authentic, then we have to do the daily grind where we get up and we eat the same breakfast and we choose to read our Bibles and we choose to pray, whether it feels exactly like the thing that we want to do or not, whether it feels like we're being true to ourselves or not, we express who we are, we express our loving, obedient relationship to God. It takes time, it takes discipline, it takes commitment, but that's the way that we start to look more and more like the sun.
reflect the Father's glory wherever we go. So we're called to live authentically, to let our lives be an expression of who we've been made to be. And we have been deeply loved. And we have a God who we love deeply. Uh, And as we uh, exist in that relationship, it changes the way that we engage with the world. We express his peace, his patience, his fruit. Uh, We grow in his gifts. We don't create uh, exceptions or dead loopholes for us to live in, but we uh, grow in tenderness and intimacy. Uh, We let his love change and transform us.